You're listening to the Cool Collaborations Podcast, a podcast about success in collaboration, where we hear about collaboration successes from around the world, and we'll look into what made those collaborations work. I'm your host, Scott Miller. Welcome to episode seven of the Cool Collaborations Podcast. On this episode, I speak with Ty Lake of the Hawaii Artist Collaboration. He joined from the Big Island in Hawaii, and we had a fantastic discussion. Actually, it turns out we had a number of conversations because due to a little bit of technical issues, we ended up recording via Zoom. I appreciate the discussion we had today where we speak about the value of bringing artists together from different media and doing it in a place where there is a crossroads of culture and people and experience and the kind of experience that goes together into a collaborative endeavor like the Hawaii Artist Collaboration. Please enjoy our conversation. Hey, Ty, it's, it's Scott here in Alberta. How are you doing today? We're doing fine down here. Still warm breezes going. A little bit of stormy weather, but not what you guys would consider bad. <laughs> and where are you joining uh, the call from today? We are in uh, North Kohala in, on the Big Island of Hawaii. You know, I'm, I'm a little envious because it's below zero and there's snow on the ground here. So, But you don't have mosquitoes and you don't have to pull weeds for a few months. So, I mean, there's a bright side. That's true. So let's kick off and ask, tell me a little bit about yourself and your background and your craft. I started out in a family business in construction and came through all phases of design, build, architecture, all that kind of stuff. And But I always had a real affinity for woodworking. My favorite part of all the jobs was when we finally got around to doing the pieces that people would live with on a job that would be the interiors, the staircases, the cabinetry, that kind of thing. And that led me into doing full-time freestanding furniture in 1991. It was a great move for me, brought all my design, architecture experience into focus and let me incorporate all that into an art form that really, really holds my attention. There's a lot to it. And uh, there's the engineering side of it and the art side and the flow and the form. And then of course, the ergonomics of furniture are always a challenge. So I've really found a good home with that as my medium. How did some of the large construction skills, I guess, business skills even, how do they translate into your work now or into oh, your skills now? Definitely. This is Danish architect Eric Sarnon. And he always, his, one of his interesting quotes is that you should always look at the next larger context. Instead of looking at building things from the ground up, you build from an overview looking down. So picturing a village and picturing a home in that village and then a room in that home. And then, then what do you furnish it with? And how does that relate back to the larger picture? And that has really influenced how I design my work. How does each of our contributions fit into a larger picture that creates a harmonious environment? Definitely coming at art from an architecture, from a larger community design point of view has greatly influenced what I do. So then how long were you in the the construction business versus furniture? And and when in all of that did you come to Hawaii? I have to think about that a second. I grew up in the construction business, got my first license, uh, general contracting license in early 70s somewhere, and then wound up uh, in Hawaii in 1980. I came here to design and build a home for a friend of mine. And uh, when I got here, this island, I mean, it's got volcanoes and oceans and everything. There's, all those gods are still alive here. Everything is uh, extreme creative forces going on all around us. And so you, you pick up on that. And then 
we have this astonishing selection of hardwoods here too. The trees that grow here are like none others. That just gorgeous wood. So it was very seductive and very a lot of open doors into like maybe this maybe I want to make the jump into just working with this incredible wood we have here in this creative environment. So then at some point you pivoted. Well, I don't know if even if you pivoted, but you you picked up some new work. You picked up some work with the Hawaii artist collaboration. So can you tell me a little bit about about oh, that? Oh yeah. How did yeah. it come up? Um, we're we're pretty isolated out here. And uh, so you're constantly looking at ways to stay in touch with the larger picture, with the larger world. The people who visit here are coming in from all over the place. So we're kind of bumpkins out here in the middle of nowhere. And we're always looking for ways to expand our vocabularies, and our skill sets. So I got involved with the Forest Industry Association here, and we were bringing in guest presenters for years. And it really raised the overall quality of the work being produced here. And then I would go out and visit the big shows in Chicago and New York and such and uh, just see what the rest of the world was doing. So I could bring that back here. On one of those trips, I came across this outfit that was working out of Saskatoon. It was the Emma collaboration. It was started by one of your Canadians. It was uh, Michael Hoslick. They came upon the idea that instead of just having classes where you sort of have a hierarchical learning system, an instructor comes in, you pick up a particular technique, you try to incorporate that into your work. Instead of going about that way, they looked at the room full of people and realized that they had an enormous amount of talent and experience in that room. And how could we all work together on a piece and share what we know uh, as a community? That turned out to be an extraordinarily powerful experience for the group. And it led to a networking situation where, let's say that you're a woodworker, but you have some questions about jewelry or about metalwork or blacksmithing or something. Well, you go to one of these collaborations and you come out with enough vocabulary and enough experience to incorporate some of those elements into your own work. And then you know people that can actually help you with that. It changes the direction of art making from in the Western cultures, we're always looking at art as being primarily individual expression. You know, you coming up with your idea and doing it all by yourself. This changes creativity over to more of a community expression to say, well, what can we all add to this to make it more incredible. What what can we do here that would make this something that no one individual could have come up with? And that part got really exciting to me. And especially on an island here where our resources are kind of limited, we're all doing what we can, but what happens when you get us together? And the results have been very empowering. It's been quite a ride and the experience has been real powerful for artists. I'm curious to know how you think about collaboration, maybe how you define it for yourself. And, and has it changed over time because of the work you've been doing with the collaboration? A lot of people will, will think of the word collaboration and they'll say, boy, I hit this stumbling block. I need somebody to make me a wheel or I need somebody to make up a bolt. And you're actually employing other people as almost subcontractors and making your vision happen. True collaboration to me is where you are engaging creatively and saying, you know, here, I got this thing. I thought I needed a wheel under it. What do you think? I was like, well, maybe it shouldn't be a deal. Maybe it could be a track. Maybe it could be a tread. Maybe you know, there's just infinite possibilities depending on how you talk to people. And if you might get a completely different view from somebody who does metal work than somebody who does glass work or somebody who does uh, jewelry. And you're able to, to build things that you really could not do by yourself. And that's where it gets exciting for me. Has there been some interesting examples of how that shows up? Because you're in kind of a unique location as well, because you've got not just Western, but also indigenous culture in the Hawaiian islands. So how, how do all of those factors kind of come together? 
So Hawaii sits at a crossroads out here in the Pacific between a number of cultures, you know, the Asian, the Western, and we have a host culture here, which is possibly the most important aspect of this. The Hawaiians are still here. There's definitely an aesthetic. There's a way of going about doing things. And it's very different from Western culture. Collaboration in its true sense, where you're actually coming in humbly, no ego, you're asking for advice, opens the doors for information to flow in a way that has not been seen before. And the success of that means that we're able to bring indigenous cultures together into a safe place that you can experiment, you can learn about new art forms, new techniques, new materials. And the exchange is pretty profound. I mentioned before that in the Western culture, we generally look at art or artists as being centered mostly on self-expression. And in indigenous cultures, art, or what would be called art, is more about telling stories, about keeping a culture intact, about keeping traditions, techniques, and a a language that allows people to sail canoes across vast stretches of ocean, or how to make rope, or or there's just so many different elegant solutions that have been arrived at over the years, but they all tell a story, and it's all about community. So on one hand, you have self-expression. On the other side, you've got this community orientation. And collaboration has uh, in Hawaii has emerged as a safe meeting space where those kind of values can be shared. Is there a crossroads of skills as well? Oh, absolutely. There's things that have disappeared completely from Western art, making your own paints, making your own fabrics, making your own rope. I mean, God, just think about having to build your own car to go visit uh, your uncle or something. You know, it's just like things that we just take for granted. We're we're actually quite helpless in the face of our technology, whereas Hawaiian culture, Maoris, the, the Polynesians, these things are all practiced as necessary for survival in this environment. So how to plant crops, where the water's coming from, how to take care of water. All these things are are contained in the art forms. And uh, so there's powerful lessons uh, from both sides. And for me, collaboration is a way of moving this knowledge forward into keeping indigenous knowledge relevant and forward-oriented and to making Western experience more responsible to, to both materials, source of materials, you know, uh, and the conservation element. So in the collab, then I want to kind of maybe circle back to sort of how it all started. Like, how did how did you go from, a, you know, maybe attending, you know, the Emma Lake or some of the other collabs that are going around the artist collabs? How did they get turned into the Hawaii artist collab? Well, I made it up to Canada and that's a larger gathering. That's about 100 people. And I think this was 2006. So it was in full swing. They had maybe, I'm going to say, just guessing, 15 different media represented. And uh, it was held over five days up at Nest Creek there in uh, Saskatchewan. And because it, you guys are kind of isolated, too. I would say you guys. So that, that whole part of the <laughs> continent is like, oh, my God, there's people up there. Yeah, and, all, uh, all eight of us, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, it's like, whoa, what are we doing? You know, how do we, how do we get people to come visit us? And so, now I'm, you know, Emma's not my collab, so I'm speaking kind of freely here. But they saw it as a way to bring people from outside in to influence and educate and network with the local artists. Uh, you have a very strong art scene there in Saskatchewan. And Saskatoon in particular, you know, if you want to bring in one guest instructor, that's great. But what if you could bring in 50, you know, what if you could cut your local people together with these 50 guys coming in from all over, just your learning experience expand exponentially. So I would say that this Saskatoon experience 
was about, the Emma experience was about bringing the outside world in and letting local community interact with benefit from all that experience. I then got to go to the New Zealand experience, the collaboration, and that was, I got to experience this type of thing happening within another host culture. So the Maoris down there and the Western side of it got together to do this thing. And I had never seen this powerful an interface before where they were really freely influencing each other's forms and bringing in materials that may not be even legal for outsiders to use, you know, whale bones and jades and these kind of things. And then the stories that were coming through and the way they were being incorporated and shared was, was really powerful. And I knew that Hawaii would be an ideal crossroads. The Maoris are thrilled that they can come up here and experiment a lot of times inside your own culture, and this is any culture, there's no new steps. There's people that do traditional forms and they don't really vary much from that. And Hawaii Club had a chance to present itself as a venue where people could come in and feel free to experiment. You know, there's nobody looking over your shoulder. You can try new things. You can put them out in different ways and see what happens, see what you can take home. So lots of experimentation. We, we have had bronze casting and glass working up here. The jewelry side of it is, is heavily influenced all around. It's, it's turned into a really fertile think tank kind of a situation. So two questions, actually. One is, does the Hawaii Club have a variety of media as well? And then my second question is, what kind of people, what kind of artists come to the collab? Are they, is it a pretty broad range of experience or is it a sort of a certain type of artist? Okay, so the two questions. The one is we have anywhere from about 14 to 16 media represented. And that's the standards clay, wood, fiber painting, printmaking, jewelry, blacksmithing, coppersmithing. We have a full welding rig there, you know, TIG, MIG, all that stuff is all there. We have an extensive parts pile, and then we have a lot of raw materials. So when you show up there, it's pretty much kid in a candy factory if you're an art person. Somebody will have brought tinting, metallic varnishes and somebody else will have brought gold leaf and somebody else brings some, you know, this this stone soup that happens is, is pretty rich. The type of person that shows up for collab, I describe them as self-selecting. You have to show up pretty much with no ego. You have to have something to share, which means you've probably hit a level of mastery in your particular discipline to where you are already teaching, you're already involved in your community, you you already know the power of sharing as opposed to like, you know, hanging on to your precious little ideas and whatnot. And we find a lot of people who are extremely open to uh, new ideas, to working with other people. So in a lot of ways, it's, it's a very unique bunch of people that actually shows up. When we're doing the rosters, we go down our media list and we go, well, who, who do we know that's a great jeweler that would be into this? Or who do we know that's doing printmaking? And usually locally, some names will, will hit to the top of the list. And then we'll ask those people to form their own departments. You know, who do you think would be a valuable addition here? Then for travelers, we look at areas that we we really don't cover very well in Hawaii, and blacksmithing and metalworking is one of them. We don't have native traditions in those things, but when you look around, metals is what's kind of holding everything together. So we uh, have brought in blacksmiths from all over the world to participate. And again, you pitch them the idea, and there's some people that are like, eh, you know, I don't know about this, and there's other people just like, oh my God, that sounds like the most fun one could possibly have. And those are the people that show up. So from Canada, I think we had Jake James down here one year. Henry Pomfret comes in from England. We've had women in from, uh, God, Lisa Gerson in from in Seattle area over the years. We're always looking for people who are interested in this type of experimentation. And we keep names. And then the, uh, the commitment to come, you have to take a week off 
you know, so you got to get time off your work. You have to be able to, to do this. And that's kind of a selector too. You know, not everybody can make it every year. So holes do open up in the roster, but pretty much we're full before we start. And then people, there's a waiting list. And then if we know you're interested, we make every effort we can to to get you here at some point. So it's it's really a, a suite of sort of top you know, I would call them top tier artists. Like these are these are people who have. Well, actually, I was going to go into the space of the indigenous side as well. Is it also does it attract sort of the same mindset from the indigenous art side of things? I would say yes. I would say we have top talent involved. Usually, when you hit a level of mastery, no matter what it is you're doing, you know, whether you're a podcaster or a chiropractor, or a car dealer you get slotted by society and, and you sort of start becoming your role and you actually get a little limited, you know, like you wouldn't go to a jeweler for a piece of furniture and you wouldn't go to me for, you know, a piece of blacksmithing. So we all get kind of slotted and this collab is a way for that person who's got this niche down to expand their skill set and their contacts. We do become isolated as we get, as we move down this path of life here. And uh, so there's a certain person who's at a point where they, they, they don't want to, stay isolated. They want to be connected with a vibrant bunch of people that, that want to share information. So yes, there's another small bit to this where we in Hawaii, we don't have the, on this side of the island, we don't have junior colleges. We don't have a strong student base. And we figured that by attracting top tier artists, that these were the people that are most likely to go back and take these contacts and this network and these connections and new skills. These were the people most likely to take them back and share them with their own communities. So we thought that our overall effect would be better if we focused on what we call kapuna or master artists. If we had more trade schools or young students in our particular area, we would definitely incorporate that in. Uh, New Zealand is very good at that. New Zealand has uh, training schools on all levels of indigenous and contemporary art. They're very good about bringing in next generation. One of the lovely things about collaboration is that you do tune to your local conditions you tune to your local conditions? Is that what you, you, you can tune the collaboration matrix oh. over to your local conditions. I've seen this work right on down to like kindergarten level, you know, where you come in and instead of looking for the star of the class to draw whatever, you know, you, you get everybody working on a project in a way that everyone gets to contribute to a larger vision. This would work with amateurs, uh, children, you know, whoever. You can tune this collaboration matrix to whoever the audience is going to be. We in Hawaii, like I said, decided to focus more on the master level because we thought that they would be most likely to share this back with their communities. Perfect. So when you talk about the involvement of Indigenous people and cultures in some of the work of Colab, how have you seen those two, the, the Western and Indigenous sort of mastery of the craft kind of overlap or, or connect to one another? Like, are you seeing, are you seeing that some of the indigenous techniques are informing Western artists and vice versa? How, how does that play out? That's a great question. So inside an indigenous gathering, people are there to pretty much show what it is they do. There's not a lot of room for experimentation. And in fact, it's, it's often very frowned upon for people to, to move outside of a traditional technique. When they get to collab, kind of all restrictions are off. So let's say that a Maori artist would like to see tattoo patterns going into some hot bronze coming out of a forge, or that other people that are curious about Maori tradition have never seen what a hammerhead shark pattern looks like, uh, and they get involved in actually 
implementing this design onto a much larger piece. So the the Maori artists may come in and lay out a piece that other people can jump in and work on. And meanwhile, there's all the stories are being exchanged. So it's happening in, in a very respectful way. And I think that the type of artist that shows up to collab is not there to steal ideas or to appropriate things. They're there to just expand their own understanding of arts and culture and, and what's going on around them and then take back bits that, that are relevant to them. That respect is, is a very key element here because you're not here to steal ideas or shamelessly uh, take off with something or other. You're there to expand your own vocabulary to where the net result of that might be that, hey, we have a civic project coming up here and we'd like to incorporate some other ideas than what we have ourselves. What if we called up this guy or that guy and, and brought them into the process? And then you wind up with products that are much more universal, much more global in their approach. So does, does Collab then attract a certain kind of, of artists? Well, definitely. Uh, we call it kind of a self-selecting group because there's a, there's a certain nervousness that goes with contemplating taking part in something like this. And then when the invitations go out, we're looking for a very particular mix of people. We want people from different backgrounds, uh, we want different skill sets. We want people who are already recognized as community activists, people that will take this information and be able to use it with their network. We're looking at bringing a much larger picture together and that we're, we're looking at giving community leaders more networking capabilities. So we're, we're pretty careful about who we send the invitation out to. And then when that invitation comes in, people are going, oh my God, am I good enough? Or, you know, what have I got? Or how's this going to work? And there's a lot of trepidation, but the person who actually steps over the broom to, to move in here is the person who's not afraid to share. You know, they're, they're not afraid to open up and they're, they're just a, a different kind of person. Like I said, it's self-selecting. There are people who get too nervous and wind up just not being able to show up. But most, by and large, by the time you get here and you realize there's a lot of love in the room, there's a lot of support in the room, nobody's here to judge you. They're all here to just share what we know. And I think that, a, that mastery, real mastery means that we know that we're all equal, no matter where we are on the path. It's more your passion and your dedication that defines your your presence here more than your act, wherever it is you are. It doesn't really matter. It's more about the path you're on. So have you seen in collab or in, in any of the other sort of collabs around the world, have there been examples of the kind of collaboration you're talking about that really stand out in your mind, that really are the, the hallmark of what collab is meant to achieve or meant to do? Well, bringing people together to think about things as a team and, and taking everyone's capabilities to the next level is really what this is about. So let's say that you have a jeweler who's known for doing extraordinarily small scale things. And then there's a roundabout that needs a sculpture. Well, how would that person come to the attention of the local decision makers, government, whatnot, as a jeweler? It's like, well, that's probably not going to happen. But But when you look at this guy's design sense, it's like, Oh man, you know, that would scale up really nicely, but does he know a steel fabricator? Does he know a shipyard? Does somebody know a contractor? You know, how do you get these things through the political arena? You know, who are the administrators that, you know, so by the time you come out of a collab, you actually have an increased uh, Rolodex. You, you actually, your contact list has gone up so high that, that when these opportunities come up, you're able to take them on. And that's exactly what happened. We had a jeweler in New Zealand who wound up getting commissioned to do a 30-foot high sculpture in the middle of a roundabout there. 
it's like, oh, okay. So suddenly your skill set gets translated through all these other people and all these other possibilities, and you start to see uh, things that could happen. Yeah, yeah, in my own work, I was hitting the engineering limits of what I can do with wood. You know, wood, you have to have a certain amount of uh, material there to carry the strength and hold the joint and whatnot. But as I moved into collaboration and I saw how simple it was to do sand casting in bronze and how we could actually take the piece of iron over there and bend it into a perfect 90 degree connector, suddenly it's like, well, I probably will never be able to do that myself, but I know who to talk to. And so my design repertoire just went through the roof from from my uh, collab experiences. Uh, I'm able to think in, in terms of several different media. We did a chair recently that we wanted to reflect the Hawaii as as the complete source. And as we got looking at the upholstery on it, we went, well, you know, we don't really order out, you know, fancy fabric and leather is really not a thing here. But what we do have here is the hollow weaving. It's an indigenous plant that we make all these things of everything from rugs to carpets to, to handbags to whatever we, we weave out of this stuff. So with my collab connections, I was able to reach out to the weaving community and wind up with this this beautiful piece of furniture that brought everything together and allowed us to source the whole thing locally. So those are the kinds of things that come out in your own work. So is there something that makes the Hawaiian collab special? And I'm thinking in terms of making it distinct. And I think you may have alluded to some of this already based on the, your discussion about the host culture, but what is it that makes the Hawaiian experience or the Hawaiian location even special? Well, we're sitting here at the crossroads of the Pacific, so we're an automatic cultural gathering place. So East meets West, Polynesian communities are all here. There's a lot of interest in Hawaii just for being, you know, romantic getaway, all that kind of stuff. But the island itself is still being formed. We still have some uh, very live gods and goddesses here that are doing their thing. So the creative energy on this island is just just off the chart. You come here and there's, there's just a, there's a lot of raw natural power between the oceans and the mountains and the volcanoes and everything else people feel right at home they come here as artists and they just they just blend right in so there's that natural energy that's here and then the the cultural side of it is is, uh extremely important most gatherings will happen inside like like, like western culture european or whatever and so there's no real mirror there's no real pause and reflect on wait a minute what's what's your base premises here when you have these cross-cultural gatherings it seems that everybody comes out with a much a greatly expanded viewpoint on their work and how it fits into the bigger picture. Our byline here is Holomua Kako, and it means moving forward together. I think that indigenous culture, Western culture, has hit a point where um, we can look at preservation of technique, of skill, as a way of carrying values forward. But the actual way it's going to happen in the future is still kind of a mystery. A lot of the traditional techniques and whatnot aren't going to be there either for lack of, you know, older generations passing away or materials not being there anymore. And the uh, the new digital technologies are taking over. And so as artists, a lot of our challenge is to, to find bridges between these venues, to find a way forward through all this sort of thing. And that applies to both indigenous and contemporary. And I think that Hawaii is probably ideally suited for that. The cultures here are alive, they're intact, they are definitely looking at moving forward. Art seems to be the common language amongst all this kind of thing. So that's probably, well, that, that's what defines us over here. Each location that hosts the collab has a specific set of conditions that applies to their community. And we just happen to have a bunch of really unique opportunities here. 
do you get much cross pollination between collabs? Like you had mentioned, you'd been to the the Emma collaboration and presumably the New Zealand as well. Is it the same crowd all the time? Does it shift and and change? And and is there a a transfer of information knowledge? I guess between collabs year to year. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we track each other very carefully. That's kind of a broad question, but in, in New Zealand, for instance, they have a very strong technical institute, trade schools, junior college program, a lot of interest from young people coming in. So their collab is much more tuned to emerging artists and then the cross Maori Western common ground. Canada, are you guys pretty isolated up there in the middle of the country? And uh, so it's very important for you to bring in outside artists and university people from all over. So the Emma collaboration uh, started out, it's the biggest one, it's 100 people, and they brought people in from everywhere, university level, pick of the litter grad students, networkers. So Saskatchewan was much more about bringing in people from all over the world so that this global kind of connection would start uh, happening. France was more about, they take over a small village there and they just all get together and just throw a party for a week. They just have a blast. <laughs> Basically, it's a wood-turning group of wood-turners that, that started there and they just wanted to see where that would go. Australia is much more, they, they started out as a wood-turning club, so they're, they're a bit more focused. But again, it's people getting together to share technique, experience, whatnot. So all of us share, you know, open our books and, and see how it worked and what went on here and there. For all of us, it's possibly the most powerful learning opportunity that we have as mature artists that any of us have ever found. So we're all pretty passionate about uh, keeping that opportunity available for as many people as possible. I, I know at the top of the, the discussion, we you mentioned this the idea that artists are they're in this gallery space where they're they're having to have a single signature on the on the piece to be recognized, and some of that approach to things. Do you think? the collab work that's happening around the world is changing that scene at all? Well, we're working on that right now because the COVID has changed the laws of physical gatherings. Now we're stuck with uh, pretty much virtual get togethers and staying in touch in other ways. And it's going to be interesting. Galleries, uh, traditional gallery sales platforms have been collapsing all over. Everybody's moving over to virtual platforms. People are becoming much more interested in process than product. So what that means is that, well, as an example, in Japan, if you were to walk into a gallery and see a piece, your first question would be, who made this? You know, where is it from? What are these materials about? Whereas in uh, Western culture, you walk into a gallery and go, well, how much is that? You know, well, what, what is this object? What's it worth? You know, that kind of thing. So different cultures have different ways of preserving expertise. And one of them is, is to be engaged in process. And we are optimistic that by engaging our collector base in America, in, you know, Western culture – Engaging them more in process, letting people behind the scenes, letting people know more about what goes into making a piece of work that will engender more support there. We won't be able to show our work physically to people because, you know, COVID is going to shut things down. Estimates are going into 2022 now. So Hawaii Collab has tried to take kind of a position where we're keeping all the different collaborations in touch with each other via Zoom gatherings. We started out doing studio tours just to kind of just tell everybody, hey, what we're up to and how we're coping with the various things going on. That's uh, now morphing into more process type tours where uh, artists will show particular techniques 
And then part of those shows will also be about the collectors who've already been attracted to this kind of thing. If you walk into a house that's full of collaboration art, it's like going to the circus, you know, it's like, <laughs> as opposed to, you know, some painting by somebody on the wall is like, Oh my God, here's a piece. And not only that, but it's got this great story, you know, people from all over the world that got together on it and here's their studios and this is what they do. And they get together. And the bottom line here is how do regular people how do you make beautiful things how do you bust out of your shell how do you make things happen in your own community and the the key to that is just reaching out to people you know it's uh it's the old stone soup thing it's like well i don't have a forge but i know that somebody's got a forge and i don't have a glass studio but i know somebody who's got a glass studio and i don't have a you know this that and the other thing but we know each other and we've seen this collaboration kind of approach work all the way down to the kindergarten level People just working together as opposed to who's the star in the class, yeah? Right. And it seems like, as you mentioned, once you've had a sip of the Kool-Aid, you, you, <laughs> kind of, you get a sense of what's possible, and then you're eager to actually learn some of the new approaches or, or new ways of thinking. Because I'm thinking, you know, if I was a furniture builder, and that's all I had done, and suddenly I learned about, as you said, somebody who knows about forge work, that's one additional perspective, but then maybe you're speaking to somebody else in a, you know, from another perspective. And you, now you're out actively looking for those other perspectives to, to grow your own thinking of things. Cause you don't even know what's possible until you've at least been exposed to something. I think exactly. that's really cool. Yeah. Your vocabulary increases. You, you actually can now be conversant. Like for a furniture maker in particular, hardware is the, is one of the Achilles heels. It's like, okay, I got the whole thing done. Now I need knobs, right? You can't go to the hardware store and get some factory knob. You got to come up with something. But if you happen to know a guy who casts bronze lizards or whatever, you know, somewhere, you can have a chat with him about what, what you might want to see. And you know enough about the process to incorporate it into your design process. And that's the real value here. Is there, um, you, you mentioned that this idea of telling the story that goes along with the art mm -hmm. and the development of it and the collaboration that went with it. You mentioned that that's something that's ongoing with the Hawaii Artist Collaboration. Is that is that live now? Is that something that, and I'll tell you where I'm going with this, is that when the podcast, this episode comes out, I'd like to be able to link to those that information and give people a bit of a window into, into that if it's available and ready to go. We're working on that right now. We have been doing it on kind of an in-house level to get all the artists comfortable with that level of sharing. Some of them are a little reluctant to you know, open their studios to the world, but there's a bunch of us that say, yeah, sure, go for it. So by the time this comes around, there would definitely be some links that you could come check some of these things out. Excellent. Well, for anybody yeah. who's listening, I'll make sure that we include as much as we can into the show notes uh, and connected to the podcast so people can follow up if they're interested. Great. I've got just a couple of questions, maybe just to wrap up uh, for today. So I, I was curious, well, first, let me say, is there anything that you would want to say that I haven't asked you about that you wanted to add to, to what you've said today? If, if I could make one statement, it's like, you know, coming together with like-minded individuals in a creative environment is the best way I've found to help people grow both as individuals and as artists, you know, and collab is the, the collab model that, that has evolved seems to be about the best model for that, that I've found. I would encourage people to, to look at that at whatever stage they're in or whatever. I mean, you can do this with a third grade class. You can do it with any kind of community. 
gathering. You can start with nothing, you know, and support will fall out of the sky. It's just amazing what happens when you set up the matrix, when you set up the conditions for this to happen, resources pours out. So I'm trying to encourage people to take this approach more. Is there somebody who has a, I don't know, somebody you would look up to or admire that has maybe led you in this direction or just somebody you would, you would say you admire in general? Collaboration is this com- is this whole bunch of people who were just had a sense that something was missing. You know that there's something about life that's like, wait a minute, this isn't quite right here. We're not doing this quite right. There's there's something at the end of the day that leaves you a little hungry. And if you're a creative person, you know you're always kind of looking at that and wondering, you know, what's missing. And so I guess if you say, who do I admire? Say, like, I really admire those people. Just get out of their own boxes and start looking around and, and trying to hook up and, and keep keep the search going. You know, in the collab world, you know, Mikey Hoslick opened a great door for all of us. Uh, Graham Priddle took that off to New Zealand. Mark Sferi brought it back over to Echo Lake. We're doing it here. Me and my partner's name's Cliff Johns. You know, without Cliff, uh, not much would have happened here. Definitely takes a bit of a team, but you know, there's there's just people that I, I think anybody that wants to get out of the box and is willing to throw in behind that it would be my, the next person I'm looking for. Very nice. My experience, at least with with collaboration, is that it takes a couple of people to sort of start the discussion, and then, like you say, people will I don't want to say see the light, but they see what might be possible. I think, and that's what gets gets them excited. It does. You know, we, Cliff and I were talking about it and we, we thought at our first meeting, well, if we had 15 people, we probably could pull this off. We've sent out just a, a brief note to a few of our friends. 26 people showed up at that first meeting and they were literally, these are all grown up, mature people. They were literally jumping up and down. They were so excited <laughs> about the possibility of spending a week. I mean, you and I, Scott, I mean, what if, you know, we're having a conversation here, but what if we spent several days together, had lunch together, lived together, and, and really were looking at what might be next for the future of whatever, you know, you, you come up with things, you really make a lot of breakthroughs in that time. And modern life just doesn't allow that. So when you, when you create these opportunities, real magic can happen. I agree. And it, it, even as you were explaining that, what happens when you get people together into a space, my own brain was turning over thinking, well, geez, what if we, what if we did a podcast episode? I'm just completely making stuff up where it's actually embedded inside a collab. As an example, you could come up with some kind of really interesting things. I have no idea what that would look like. So, <laughs> Oh, I tell you, when we have our collab going on here, we are hounded by you know, people who want to be flies on the wall. You yeah. Know, so that's kind of why we started this, uh, the video Zoom presentations is because people are so fascinated by process. Like, well, how do you get from point A to point B? So we've, we've had good videos every year. If you go down to our website, you'll see there's been videos of the, the event here every year and compilations of the work that's produced and whatnot. So we, we try to capture some of that spirit, but actually being here is pretty infectious. So if there was one thing that you wish everyone would take to heart about collaboration, what would it be? Well, it's, it's just accepting that in life, you, you don't have enough time to master everything. You know, there's just so much to know. And the, the more you know about one thing, the more you realize you don't know about everything else, you know. So the absolute best way to address that is to just come together with other people. Just just go ahead and ask them, see what they're up to. It's It really is a stone soup situation where, you know, you, you can bring a certain thing to a meeting. But if you've got people with like-minded people there, your possibilities are are limitless. 
I really appreciate our conversation today. I mean, it, we covered a lot of ground and I think we could have gone into some of these pieces a lot deeper to, to uncover some of the, the motivations and the rewards. But I, I do appreciate your time for today. So thanks, thanks very much for, for taking the time and being part of the discussion. Oh, no, anything I can do to, to get people aware of, of this is what I've decided I'm going to do for the rest of my life. So that's fine. Thank you. That was a great conversation with Ty because it made me think about the role of artists in collaboration. So not necessarily we're we talking about artists collaborating to create art, as Ty was talking about today and the role of the collab, but rather the role of artists in general to contribute to the conversation, to bring a creative element to the kind of collaboration I might do, for instance, where we're working on environmental issues or technical issues. And it's made me think a little bit about how we bring people into a collaborative piece of work and who we should include and maybe some people or some skill sets or some mindsets that we should consider that are different than our sort of normal affected by the problem kinds of people. I really appreciate Ty taking the time from his work in Hawaii to spend some time talk with me today. Thanks, Ty. I look forward to talking with you again. You've been listening to Cool Collaborations. Please make sure you visit collaboration-dynamics.com where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes, in Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to sign up for our mailing list so interesting things like blog posts, upcoming training, or collaboration tips and tricks can come to your inbox. If you like what you heard, I'd be grateful for a rating in Apple Podcasts. Of course, if you'd like to just tell a friend about the show, that would be great too. Check out the show notes for links and contact information. Until the next episode, thanks and happy collaborating.